And we're live. This is Daniel Burnett with trainlikearanger.com. Today I have a very special guest, Corey Flynn. He was a ranger medic with me and Bat. Uh, Corey, welcome. Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking a little bit before this podcast about, you know, kind of what we were going to cover today and talking about our journey after the military and, uh, you're staying very busy this day, these days. Yes, very busy. Um, so yeah, me and Daniel were kind of talking before the podcast and, you know, we, we got out about the same time. Um, and then, you know, as a medic, I've, I've kind of continued on that pathway. Um, so continue on with school, continue on with work. Um, very, very busy. So very busy. Yeah. You were a very gifted medic. You were very knowledgeable and, uh, and I can tell this is your calling. Uh, when Corey got out, he continued as an EMT, and then now you work at an urgent care clinic. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, paramedic, you know. Paramedic, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. It's uh, just a slight difference just with your scope and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I got out. Um, I had my paramedic, um, which I got in line through battalion you have an equivalency so i got out and used my equivalency so i could work in georgia um so i worked as a paramedic at night um i was doing that full time and then i did that for three years and then i finished my uh, undergraduate degree so i went to georgia southern here in savannah i got my bachelor's in biology with a minor in psychology so i was doing that during the day while i was going uh working during the nights and so it was very, very busy. So it basically was transitioning from life in battalion to life on the outside and just kind of staying busy as much as I could. That's just what I'm, it's what I'm used to doing. And I, I don't do well if I'm not busy. So I, uh, this is kind of how I am. Yeah. So um, transition to recently, I graduated with my degree and then started working at the urgent care, which the weekend that I, transition jobs over to there was the weekend Savannah shut down for COVID. So it's been a very dynamic situation over there as well, as far as stepping into a new environment um, with a little bit of a different scope, a little bit of a different mission, and then being slammed with how do we deal with this global pandemic that's happening right now. Um, and it's been, it's been challenging, but it's, you know, it's been also very rewarding and it shows me that everything that I had done in the past working up to it has definitely helped me benefit. Um, you know, just getting promoted to leadership positions before my first 90 days and taking uh, charge of clinical training task force and things like that at this new urgent care, um, just getting to show up places and basically show like through competency alone, um, I know what's going on. So let's figure this out together and, you know, follow me. Yeah. So I think that that is, that is the benefit of being a ranger medic and whatever situation you get into, whether it's civilian EMS or managing and trying to help, you know, the clinical side of the urgent care, or I'm applying to PA school right now. Um, you know, I think obviously those are career and school things, but even in other things in life, you know, it, it's definitely helped. Yeah. Uh, I think ranger medics are some of the most well-trained. Like I haven't seen a ranger medic that made it too bad because you have so much training prior to 
haven't seen one that made it to bat who didn't know exactly what was going on. Um, all there's a reason you guys show up and uh, the line guys don't mess with you. You know, uh, number one because you're going to take care of them, and uh, number two, you guys are always squared away. Uh, that's funny. I didn't know you went to Georgia Southern. My wife went there, graduated with her undergrad there. Yeah, yeah. started. I started school actually at Ohio State before I enlisted, and so that's always going to be, you know, a place I hold dear true yeah. to my heart. Yep. Graduated, uh, Georgia Southern in Savannah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty campus. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she enjoyed that a lot. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll go into the pipeline. So I get a lot of questions about what's it like being, uh, a medic and bat and then they go, um, you know, how, what's the pipeline like to get there? So, uh, I'll kind of let you take the wheel and talk about, you know, what you would tell those guys who are sitting on the couch right now thinking about enlisting in the Army and becoming a Ranger medic and what to expect and then what life is like in bat. Okay. Yeah, so um, I kind of – I'd seen this question, so I, I wrote some stuff out. So, I mean, initially, I think one of the biggest things that I, I feel like needs to be mentioned is – to make sure that you are getting an option 40 contract if you are signing up to go to Ranger Battalion because that was a big thing with me. Like I said, I was, I was an undergrad student, a biology student at Ohio State. I had a great GPA. Like I, I had everything going for me that was right. And I walked into a recruiter's office and they were like, hey, you know, my family wasn't military or anything like that. Um, me and actually my roommate had went to the recruiter station because we wanted to go SF. So the original reason I went into the recruiter station was to join special forces. And uh, we were, you know, just bored in our sophomore year of school. And we were just like, Hey, let's go climb mountains, shoot guns and jump out of planes. And so we went to the recruiter station and we just kind of started seeing like, Hey, I think these guys are trying to take us for a ride a little bit as far as like, they just want you to sign the paperwork sometimes. Um, it's just like anything else. There's going to be really good recruiters and really bad recruiters. Um, but that's something, know what you're signing. And if you have something in mind, like going SF or going to be in Ranger Battalion, make sure you talk to someone outside of that recruiter station who knows what's going on. So someone like Daniel, you know, who's making these videos to, you know, spread information, get with guys like that um, to make sure. So I just like to put that disclaimer out because a lot of guys can get stuck, you know, being a a regular 68 whiskey at, you know, a physical therapy, just taking vital signs and, you know, shaping ortho glass. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not being a ranger medic. It's way different. Yeah. That's a question we'll lead into. People were asking the difference between a regular medic and a ranger medic. And it's quite, quite a lot that's the uh that's my first disclaimer just make sure you actually sign the paperwork that you want to get into but as far as once you once you start the pipeline um and you get going i did um you know the the debt program or you're like delayed entry whatever um i ended up doing 10 weeks of basic training so we're not going through the osa like the infantry guys so it's just 10 weeks of basic training i actually did it with uh I did it at Fort Benning, which was kind of rare. Most medics will go to like Fort Jackson or Fort Leonard Wood, but I did it at Fort Benning, but you're a soft skilled company. So you're still not treated like the infantry guys, but um, 10 weeks of basic training. Then once you go through that, 
um, you go to AIT. And so AIT, uh, because for a Ranger medic, you are enlisting as a 68 whiskey. So that's what I did. Um, and then if you have the option 40 contract, that's a guarantee that you'll go to RASP. Not a guarantee that you go to Ranger Battalion. It's a guaranteed chance that you'll get to go to selection. Now, whether you get selected or not, that's on you. Um, but so you're still enlisted as a 68 whiskey healthcare specialist in the eyes of the army. Um, so you go to AIT, Advanced Individualized Training. Um, and so that's in Fort Sam Houston uh, and that's San Antonio, Texas. And so that was 17 weeks um, in Texas. The first seven weeks of that is your EMT basic. And so you're still kind of acclimatizing to the army life a little bit. You know, you, you have a little bit more freedom uh, since basic training, but you're still, you know, morning and night formations. You're not technically, you know, a real person yet. You're still kind of on lockdown pretty hard. Um, there, there was all kinds of rule changes of like not going off base unless you were in full uniform and no tobacco and, you know, all these different rules that popped up. But um, the first set, like I said, the first seven weeks was the EMT basic phase. And then the last 10 weeks is what's called the, uh, the whiskey phase. So the whiskey part of the 68 whiskey. Um, and the 68 whiskey phase for your field medic, combat medic type um, introduction. Um, it's by no means a all-inclusive course, but, you know, it gets you through the general idea of what you would need to do at point of injury on target. Um, and so, again, in 10 weeks, it's you, you get the fundamental idea of, you know, how to provide respirations, take vital signs, and things like that with your EMT basic. And then the last 10 weeks, you're basically um, applying that into a combat slash field setting so that, you know, you can be an effective line medic, basically, um, because, you know, you don't learn a whole lot of medication, you don't learn a whole lot of clinical relevance um, or anything like that. It's just basically like if you showed up on the line and you deployed the day you got to your first unit, could you do something for someone if they were injured on target? And, yeah. you know, they do a pretty decent job there of getting people ready um, for that. Obviously, there's lots to learn. And from my perspective, having trained a lot more after that, I'm always going to think that it's not enough. And that's kind of one of the hard parts about being a medic for your guys. You know, they're your best friends, they're your coworkers, they're your, you know, the people you got drinking with. So it never feels like it's enough. So that's, that's another thing as far as, um, you know, that's something you really have to ask yourself when you're thinking about joining the Ranger Medic, uh, you know, pipeline is, do you feel comfortable by treating your family, basically? So imagine, you know, I want to be a paramedic. I want to do this. And then imagine every call you run is on your family. Yeah. So that, that is a different world than anywhere you're ever going to experience it. Um, so anyway, back to the pipeline. So we, we went through basic, we went through AIT. Um, then we kind of got held over for about a month waiting to go to airborne school. So we go to airborne school, which is three weeks. I won't get super into these because not super relevant but you go to airborne school for three weeks you get your jump wing then you go to pre-rasp i was there about three or four weeks um and you're basically just doing log pt getting the shit smoked out of you yeah so um yeah pre-rasp was rough they they 
try to weed you out before you even get to selection of just, are you sure you want to be here? Um, and so you kind of learn about mass punishment for, you know, any kind of mistake people make and things like that. Um, and you start to kind of see like, that's your first taste of like Ranger cadre and, you know, that first look of like, oh shit, like this isn't like the other places. It's not, you know, a, a staff sergeant with a belly telling you, hey, you got to do some push-ups here and there, you know, these guys are scary looking dudes covered in tattoos, you know, fit, running faster than everybody, lifting more than everybody. And, you know, you can just look into their eyes and say like, that's not a dude I'd want to mess with. Yeah. And so it's your first kind of experience. Like if you're like, okay, I've been, you know, me for not that long. And you really start to see like, okay, there is levels to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so pre-RASP was definitely kind of that culture shock a little bit. Um, and then you start RASP and so that's, you know, RASP one is the selection program that they have right now. So, um, that's eight weeks long. You're with everyone during that. It doesn't matter your MOS. So everyone's doing, you know, everything that everybody's doing. Um, maybe just a little bit of focus on you medically, like during the, the FTX and stuff like that. So during the field exercise, they might, you know, tap on you and say, Hey, you know, you're the medic. So do some stuff, but you haven't went through soccer yet. So again, you're just kind of falling back on at this point, you've went through AIP and you're almost like you, you're the placeholder. Yeah. That's how I always saw it is like, you're the medic because we told you you're the medic, but knowing what I know now, like it's not enough. It's not enough yet. So um, the real change I would say between what makes someone a regular medic and what makes someone a, you know, a special operations capable medic is SOCOM, which obviously, you know, is the course that most units send their medics through. There's been a couple units here and there that have backed away from it. Um, so Rangers, before we go to SOCOM, um, we would graduate RASP and then go to pre-SOCOM. And so the clinic at um, Fort Benning that takes care of all the, the Rangers um, who are going through RASP um, and then third bat guys. And we would kind of float around between like the physical therapy uh, center at um, third bat. And so basically we're learning how to do clinical medicine. And so we have our surgeon and we have um, our PA and so we had really great guys. We had uh, Major Fox, um, Major Fisher, and Lieutenant Colonel Shapansky. Um, and so we had some of the top, you know, top guys. Uh, Colonel Shapansky ended up going, taking control as like the medical director of Bamsey. So like the big burn center at Fort Sam, he became the medical director of that. <clears throat> Uh, Major Fisher, if you do know anything about tactical medicine or, um, you know, even civilian, civilian side, sheriff departments, any, any, anyone who's involved in stop the bleed or any kind of special operations military unit, Major Fisher is like a household name um, as far as he uh, was a Ranger Medic PA. He was enlisted at first, went to PA school, was a Ranger PA, 
And then now he's going through med school. I think he's fourth year or graduated already. Um, but he's in San Antonio, like destroying it right now, like putting whole blood transfusions into civilian EMS and, you know, just super awesome guy. I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just amazing, amazing man. So we, we got to be surrounded by those guys, you know, before we even got to Sockham and just kind of sponge off them. And so the pipelines kind of changed a little bit since then. So I got stuck at pre-Sockham for five months. There were some people who had been there for nine months. So they had been in the army, you know, over a year and they hadn't even went to their first unit. Um, and so there was a lot of guys who got really frustrated and kind of upset at, um, understandably. And basically what the problem was with that is Sockham is mostly a special forces driven course. So there's the majority of guys going through that are SF, the majority of cadre were SF. And so Rangers were getting two slots, a class. Well, when you have, you know, all these guys going through the Ranger pipeline, they had a bottleneck right there. So guys got kind of held back. I understand why that was frustrating. And I got frustrated during my five months. We started playing Pokemon on our, you know, phones and stuff at the very end because the new guys had to get in the clinic and we're like, all right, we've already seen and done it all, we thought. Um, But it was a good time to like, go over physical exams and again, like sponge off of those providers who were exceptional human beings and just see like, okay, like this is what a good provider is. And then once you leave there, you'll see examples of what bad providers are or just, you know, not exceptional human beings are and you, you miss it and you wish you would have soaked it up a little bit harder. Um, so like I said, pre-Sockham, you're, you're working in the clinic, taking care of guys throughout the day. Um, and then in the afternoon, we would study. Um, they had a whole binder that they would give you with different information on physical exam findings that you should be looking for when you're doing physical exams, um, basic biology and chemistry, pathophysiology, all this stuff that like I had, I had two years of college under my belt. So I had already been thinking about this a lot, but there were definitely those younger guys who were 17, 18 year old when they enlisted and they were hit by a truck of information. Yeah. And it was just like pathophysiology. Like what is that? <laughs> so pre soccer was good because it gave you that time to kind of like understand what you were getting yourself into if you didn't already know. And so I think that's a lot of, the, a lot of the things, I, I think that's kind of something that happens with, you know, a lot of special operations jobs of like, you think you know what you're getting yourself into and you know, you really have no idea Yeah. of like, Hey, I want to be, I want to be a ranger. I want to be SF. I want to go be a Navy SEAL. And you get to see the Netflix special and see the, the selection program and, you know, people carrying logs and boats and stuff. And you're like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. But you don't get to see the everyday stuff. You don't get to see, you know, the hard work and, you know, the effort that you have to put in day in and day out. Um, to get to where, you know, to get to where we went. Um, so I think pre soccer is good because again, like one of the questions being what college courses and stuff, um, I, I know we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it gives you an idea of like, Hey, okay, what are the things that I can kind of learn right now before I start Sockham 
and you have people who've graduated Sockham leading it, you have exceptional providers, it's like, okay, this is a time when I can kind of get myself ready to start this Sockham pathway. Um, so pre-Sockham, they ended up giving more slots though. So I don't think people are waiting there nearly as long. Yeah. Um, so it's more of just like a holdover and they try to make it as effective as possible, but they're trying to get guys in and out to, to sock them. So as far as I know, that is no longer like a five month to nine month wait, it's maybe a month or two, you know, just to hold guys over after RASP and then shoot them off to sock them. Um, so now getting to sock them, that's kind of, again, the bread and butter. It's what, you know, really pulls people away from being the normal 68 whiskey um, again, which is 17 weeks of training, seven weeks of that is anti-basic. And so, you know, you learn ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation, and then you learn civilian EMS stuff like stretcher operations, what's a legal tort, you know, all this stuff that really has no relevance to what you're doing. So you learn basic principles of how to keep someone alive in the very first you know, bit of, but you're not really learning why or how you're just learning. Like if someone's not breathing, here's a bag, you can BVM them. Like here's an airway, like, Hey, it's messed up. Here are the two ways that you can, you know, help them out. And so it's very remedial, um, based on just that alone. Like there's so much more you need to know. Um, which again, the 10 weeks after that even, doesn't do it justice as far as all the stuff you need to know. Yeah. Um, but lucky for us, we already went through EMT basic because the, so I'll talk about it in the block. Um, so Sockham's about nine months, um, give or take, and then you're going to have a month long retention afterwards. So after it's all said and done, it's like right under a year um, with all the, the holdover and different things you got to do. Um, but the first six weeks is EMT basic. So not only did you just graduate from IT and get your EMT basic, you didn't already have it. You get to go and basic class the very first six weeks of Sockham. So it's good because again, you're for those guys who don't have that foundational base, it's good to just reiterate, like these are the basic life-saving things you need to know. Um, and you already have your NREMT, so you don't have to test for that again. So while everyone's testing, you got the day off. Um, we actually had one guy who failed out. He, he, had, he was an NREMT certified EMT basic who failed out of Sockham during the first block. Oh, no. Which was EMT basic. So he was a prospective ranger, and he failed out. He failed the, in, the in-house test. So, like, the schoolhouse has testing as well. Yeah. So he failed out and got kicked out. Ended up going to the 82nd. Yeah, I'm glad you covered that. Yeah. Went to the 82nd and won like division medic of the year. Like the whole entire post was deemed the best medic that following year. And it's like, so the guy who failed out of the very most basic block was the best medic the entire 82nd had. Yeah. So like that's the caliber of dudes that you're you're being surrounded by. It's like yeah. even the guys who don't make it are exceptional. And the guys who do make it are really, really exceptional. So I mean that's that's 
I don't know if you have anything to add. You're right. And there's just a way, like you said earlier, there's different levels to this. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you covered a lot of this because that guy didn't go through this pipeline beyond RASP and, and he got kicked. And that's something I really want to emphasize. You know, I hear some people out there, they have this expectation of, yeah, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, I'll get this question and I'll, I'll ask you your opinion on this, a little controversial, but they'll be like, Ranger or SF, and then one guy was like, well, I'm just going to go do Ranger and get mine and then go back to, you know, doing new things in this fun world. And I'm like, it's not that quick, dude. Yeah. What a lot of people don't understand is, you know, you got things like pre-RASP, then you have, uh, you know, the RASP, and then you have post-training to get into regiment. And if you fail those things post-training, uh, like 11 Bravo's RASP is it. They don't have any post-training. They go to their units, and then they just get there. Uh, you know, uh, like I was an FO, so we had like a, uh, RTO course after, and that was, it wasn't hard by any means, but, um, that was something I had to do. You guys go through almost a whole year, sometimes plus of all this other training. And if you fail it, that's your pipeline. It not took done. me, it took me two years and two months of training till I got to Ranger Battalion. Yeah. Two that, years and two months. And that's typically why these guys, uh, why they're respected when they show up because they've already been through all this training and everybody knows it's very hard stuff. So uh, they show up and they're just like, you know, that's, that's doc. We don't mess with doc. You know, Hey, you got some clean boots doc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was the first thing. That was the first thing I showed up and they're like, man, you got some clean boots. And I'm just sitting out there. We, we went to Virginia for like 10 days. Like it was my second day there. I just got all my stuff issued. Was it, was that West Virginia? The, Wherever that, I think I, that National Guard thing was, I'm pretty, um, it was like it was Richmond. It was Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. wherever it was, I mean, we went out on the town after, and yeah, I don't know, but it was I funny remember. because that was the hardest time that I was given. Really, like besides the senior medic, the other like medics who were senior to me, obviously, like you know, we had our own medical hierarchy and stuff, but that was like the worst thing anyone ever did to me in all the years that I was there. I showed up and they're like, you got some clean boots, just making fun of how new I was. Yeah. And beyond that, I was never, never messed with, like, but never had to do push-ups. never smoked. There was times I would do push-ups with the guys. Like if somebody we we're all on the bus going to the range or all out on the range and stuff. And they're like, Hey, everyone start doing pushups. I get down and start doing pushups. And the person who said it would be like, no doc, like stop. Yeah. <laughs> so like it, it's a very weird position to be so specialized and like knowledgeable in your piece, but also so new and unknowledgeable about everything around you. And so you are, really are like, you show up and you are a subject matter expert but you're also a baby in so many other ways. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting start once you get there. Yeah. And talking about life and bat in general, uh, I like that you covered it never feels like enough. I mean, it's like when you show up or go through these pipelines, it's like drinking out of a, uh, a fire hydrant. I mean, it's, you're getting all this information and it just, doesn't feel like enough, especially if you're a young kid, like there's always more to take away. So my advice for younger kids is 
try to open up your ears as much as possible. Spend that extracurricular time. I know you're not going to want to. Like my priorities whenever I got off is I'm like, I'm off. Okay, it's time to start getting drunk or whatever, you know. Uh, Lots of drunk. Shouldn't say. I didn't drink underage, guys. (laughs) I drank more underage than I've ever have after I turned 21. But I, I was drinking all the time. And that was kind of my priority when I got off work is I just wanted yeah. to drink or just kind of unwind when I, what I should have been doing for the sake of the mission, for the sake of my own progression, uh, for the sake of taking care of the people around me and taking care of myself as well is studying extracurricular. Uh, it's, that's what a lot of people need to understand about Ranger Regiment. They see uh, dudes carrying logs. They see, Dudes running around, they're like, yeah, I could do 12 miles. I could do push-ups. You know, it's more than that. You're, you are a student, even infantry guys. They know about their weapon systems to AT. I mean, you can ask those guys, uh, you know, effective ranges of all these weapon systems, how much they weigh. They know the velocity of the, the bullets. They know everything. You're a student. And no matter what you do, but especially if you're doing like specialty things like Ford Observer, Medic, you're going to spend a lot of extracurricular time studying and it's, it's, it's a lot of information and it never feels like there's enough time and there's always more to learn. And so it's, that's something to expect when you're going through these pipelines. It's so much more than, yeah, I can run with some logs and do some push-ups and whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's every bit of a lifestyle that you could imagine. And not only is it a, lifestyle you have to accept before you join it's a lifestyle you have to endure that you know and accept and and thrive in while you're there it's also a lifestyle that will stay with you I mean I've been out since 2017 and I'm very much like I walk into a room of new people like I just started a new job and it's like I without even thinking about it like it was always, you know, a hundred and hundred percent and then some, and it's like, that is how you live your life. And it's very obvious when you get out, especially, and you're not around other people who have that same mentality of, you know, a lot of people just want to give like 40% and just roll home. And it's like, you know, when you're given 110% and just kind of looking behind you and seeing people fall off and, you know, just seeing people get by, that is another thing that you kind of have to accept of like you will change as a person and as a human being going to one of these places. Yeah. I can't turn off. I mean, uh, there's times where I try to, and I can't turn off. My brain is always going. I always have to be doing something and I never feel like I'm doing enough. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a major difference. Also when you're transitioning, that's something that kind of, I think uh, talking to you, you've, you're a guy who knows, kind of like things are going to change. Like when you got out, you probably understood that that's kind of how things were going to be. Like I kind of accepted that too. And when I got out, uh, it still, still was very aggravating to be around all these people where the culture is, Oh, we don't care. You know, uh, it's, it's way different. And, uh, just kind of, if you're going to transition, that's a big pill to swallow. If you're going to make it out here and be successful is, the culture is just different. People are looking out yeah. for number one, you know, themselves. And, uh, it's, and I think, out. I think the biggest way I've, I've learned to deal with that because again, I had a really hard struggle getting out and not being surrounded by high, high achievers. And it, it wasn't just like a couple high achievers. It, it's like, 
when, again, the guys who fail out don't get there are the best everywhere else. Okay. Like when you're surrounded by the guys who make it, like you don't even think about it because there's, there's dirt bags there too. There's guys that everyone looks at and they're like, man, why don't you just get your shit together? And it's like, then you get out and you realize, wow, that dude really did have his shit together. Like he but he's being compared to all these, you know, killers studs. and just, yeah, just studs, just guys that just go out and whatever they do, they're so good at everything. Yeah. And I, I think again, going to school and staying busy is how, again, how a lot of us are going to deal with it. But I think the other thing that I've learned is, you know, just stepping into leadership roles yeah, and just trying to share it. And almost like you said, accepting, accepting that other people might not live up to that standard and like learning to be okay with it, yeah. but also learning like how you can utilize your energy effectively to motivate others to be better. Yeah. And it's like, it's not nearly as aggravating if you feel like you have some control of it. And so if you're just, you know, busting your ass, busting your ass and no one else is doing anything, it gets frustrating. But if you're busting your ass and you're like, Hey, like, what if we all did it this way? You know, and maybe they, they aren't going to be your hundred percent, but they can show up with their 85%, you know, then you really start to see like, okay, like I can use this, you know, for good and yeah. not just get frustrated. So yeah. that's something. The dynamic changes, but uh, kind of my mentality is the leading the way, the follow me, uh, that, that hasn't changed. I think Rangers who get out, you are meant to be leaders in whatever it is that you do um, just because of all the, the gifts that you have and kind of what I, what I uh, emphasize here is, uh, you know, I think some guys get out in the special operations community. A lot of guys who get out of the special operations community, it's not by choice. Sometimes they get injured, but the guys who uh, choose to get out, they think they have to move on completely from this Ranger idea. They, it's not that they're not proud of it and they don't always have part of that in them, but they kind of have this mentality of, okay, that's behind me. I'm on this new path now. Kind of the way that I look at it is, I mean, you can tell by looking at my company. I'm taking that, I'm owning it, saying that's still me, but I'm doing something else now. So I am still in my head, I am a ranger, and I'm going to conquer whatever it is that I do. And I'm going to show people, I'm going to be proficient, I'm going to be the expert in anything I do. And, uh, you know, I know when to be a student. That being said, I know when to shut up and listen, but also I'm going to work hard and then motivate people around me and lead to the best of my abilities going forward. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think you said it perfectly because I, you know, I have the same struggle and, you know, I've had that thought and I've had that conversation with my wife, even of like, you don't want to be that guy who is talking about, you know, throwing the, the, the touchdown pass in high school Yeah, of like, you know, I've been out for three years and you don't want to be that guy that's like, yeah, man, did that. Um, but you're right. Like, there is a part like, I mean, I wear, I wear my hat almost, you know, every day because it's something I'm proud of and you're right. It's, it's not, I'm not physically there doing it anymore, but that doesn't mean that it's left me by any means. And it's right. like, so you can bring that mentality and that work ethic and that proficiency and you can carry it forward. And even though you're not in it directly, you know, you can, 
you can use that. And so I, I agree that, you know, it, it, it changes, it changed me for who I was and it's still something that affects me every day in, yeah. in a great way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, um, also I'll cover some of these questions uh, that the, the users uh, or the followers. Uh, did you want me to, I, I had the, uh, the Sockum like timeline. I didn't know if you just wanted me to run through it real quick, just for guys who are interested. It's just, I know we, we got uh, talking about some of the intangibles, which I think are just as important. Um, but for guys that are listening, I just wanted to run through. Um, so just real quick, um, like I said, the first phase is EMT basic. You're already going to be an EMT. So that one should be pretty cake. Um, the only thing to think about is like, you're going to be doing morning PT and stuff like that too. So like you're still in the army and going to school, but like Sockham is your life, like when you are there. And so younger guys usually do pretty well. Um, the guys who struggled the worst, honestly, like, you know, regardless of like grades and stuff, but like people with families and like older guys. So like we had staff sergeants and, and females too. I think we had, three or four females who started in our class, none of them made it, um, but they were all like transfers. So they were all like E5s, E6s and had families and had, you know, lives and stuff like that. All of us going in, you know, through the Ranger pipeline, we're all wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is the only thing. And so you have to really think about, like they will tell you it's like a deployment for a year like you're here and like, it's tough because you're here physically, but like you cannot be there mentally um, because you have to focus, you know, on school and staying in shape because you still have to meet PT standards and you still have all these requirements that you have to do, you know, because they don't want you to just get fat and then show up to range of fat because right. then you'll get kicked out. So it doesn't make sense. So EMT is the first phase. Then you have six weeks of anatomy and physiology and you get to do cadavers and, you know, they have an onsite um, anatomist and, uh, you know, super great, super great class. Um, then you have six weeks of clinical fundamentals or like pathophysiology. And so it's basically like four day blocks of systems. And so like you'll have derm for four days, cardiac for four days, um, you know, and basically they'll just go system to system to system you'll have four days and then you'll test. So you have to imagine for this school, you have four days to learn about everything that makes your skin itchy red. You know, is it bacteria? Is it yeast? Is it a viral infection? Is it systemic? Is it local? Like you so have much. four days to cram that information into your head and then take a test. Then you're already on to the next one. Mm. So like that is how dedicated you have to think about going into this program of like, you don't get to go home and watch TV. You don't get to go home and do some of these things, you know, if you don't have any kind of foundational base. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you'll still get your weekend. You'll get to go enjoy yourself a little bit, but you really do need to remain dedicated because there was guys who were literally getting by the skin of their I mean, like, you had to have a 75 to stay in, and there was guys passing some of these exams, 75.5. And you might get one retest, like, pretty much every everything you did you would have a retest um after that you're done yeah. it's not like like you fail you fail once and you get a retest like that is it it's not um a lot of the sf groups and you know the seals and stuff like that they'll get recycled so they can start again 
and I know, you know, there, there are Rangers who got recycled and, you know, things could have changed since I've been through, but like they were, you were gone. So like, like that's another thing too, is like, we have a liaison over there, Ranger liaison. And so he's looking at you saying, you're going to an organization that I just, you know, that I'm a part of that expects a hundred percent. Yeah. And so he was like, I will let you perform in the top 10%. He's like, I'll give you that slack right now. He's like, but if you're out of 90 percentile, like performance wise, you are like in my, you're on my shit list. Yes. So it wasn't just like you could pass the school either. You have a ranger liaison who's breathing down your neck. Like you need to be the best here. It's not just passing and showing you're right. It's like, if you're not, if you're not the top person, you know, scratching, clawing, fighting to get to the number one spot and kicking everyone who's trying to get, you know, in front of you, then you're doing it wrong. I like and that. Like, you, that's, that's a mentality you have to have. I like you said that. Cause you know, that's the best way I can describe the difference between Ranger Regiment and other special operations group. There is this different mentality that Rangers have, you know, other people have a driven mentality, but Rangers are different. There's no such thing as falling out in your unit. You're recovering PT. You know, you don't want to be out of shape when you get to regiment. Okay. Well, even if, you know, we respect the medics who show up, if he falls out of a run, that could be a wrap. Like there's no such thing as falling out of anything that, that doesn't happen. And that's our mentality is way different. The selection doesn't end with the selection. We are constantly looking to weed people out and, it kind of makes it a meat grinder sometimes because people get injured. I mean, it's such a fast paced job. People get injured. Sometimes we'll keep them around, but if they're not going to get better, they're going somewhere else. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. And that's the difference between I'd say Ranger and other special operations groups is Rangers have the culture is just way different. It's way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, It's, it's definitely very different. Um, and then as far as other than that, we just have trauma one, trauma two, trauma three, a field exercise, um, and then rotations afterwards. So you go on rotations for a month at a major hospital and basically put your skills to the test. Um, and so, yeah, trauma one through three, you're basically just putting it all, you know, in, into physical forms of like, okay, this is an actual trauma assessment on a patient. Here's the algorithm that I'm going to, you know, practice and 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 And then it's like and then practice some more and like i mean we were logging hours on the weekend so like you had a sign-in roster on the weekend and they're like hey if you're not practicing for six plus hours on the weekend when you have off you're wrong and so they're like you know we have the roster so that you can show you did it but like you, you know if you don't show up like that's on you and like the people who didn't show up like they didn't make it and it wasn't because they got kicked out because they didn't make it. It was because they didn't put enough time and effort into it. Hey, I got to hang out with my wife. Hey, I got to, you know, I just want to hang out with some buddies, go drink, you know, go to the beach, whatever. Okay. Come test day, like, there is no excuses. You either pass or you fail. Yeah. And people fail by the smallest little bit. If a wound isn't covered, like, you have to cover the whole wound surface. If a wound isn't covered by a sixteenth of an inch, the wound is not covered. You fail. You yeah. have one retest. And if not, like you just wasted a year and a half of your time because 
you're going somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of the rundown. Uh, I don't know if you had those other questions you wanted to to hammer out real quick. Yeah, uh, I know. I know you have an appointment, right? So yeah, I don't want to no talk. rush. But. Okay, I didn't want to um, keep you too long if you have somewhere to be. But yeah, um, I got plenty. I got plenty of time. So okay, great. So we'll go over the, we'll go over these questions. Fine then. Um, if if something if you got to go, just let me know because yeah, I yeah. can talk. I can talk for days. Hey, no, it's good. So we covered medic pipeline. Um, that was a big one. So I think we more than covered that. You you went into great detail. I think that's going to help a lot of people um, cover things I've never heard before. So yeah, I think most people don't like know what it is. So no, there's not a whole lot of good sources that like actually lay it out. Yeah, uh, and that's part of why I'm doing this is because this isn't this isn't opsec what we're talking about right now. But people don't have access to this because I think uh, I think we are so specialized in uh, in OPSEC and not talking about what happens that uh, it's almost to a fault because people just don't know what the hell is going on. So I'm without breaking OPSEC, I'm just giving these guys information like here's what to expect. And that's kind of the whole idea of this yeah. side venture I'm doing with no, my business. No major movies. Right. Let's uh, if, yeah. Yeah, if uh, if you're gonna make a movie about me, I want Tom Cruise to play me. I figured you pick someone a little bit taller, but yeah. <laughs> it'll stand on a block, dude. There you go. Um, all right, so okay, okay. Here's a good question, guys. I get this question a lot. Uh, they ask what the and we covered this a little bit, but. Uh, I want to dive a little bit more into this. So what's the difference between being an 11 Bravo and a 68 whiskey and bat? Do medics get okay. to do things like kick in doors? Are they, I get this question because a lot of people don't understand. Um, this is like, I don't know if this is dabbling on OPSEC, but people don't know where the medics are in the field. Like right. whenever we're on mission, where are the medics? Um, yeah. People don't know that stuff. So and again, you know, this is kind of in line with yours, uh, you know, being an FO, you know, so the difference between being a medic and being infantry, again, before you even on target is the lifestyle and what you're training, and what you're learning and, you know, stuff like that. But as far as like how a medic fits in with infantry guys, like you try to be as much of an 11 Bravo as you can be while also bringing your piece to the table. Yeah. So if it makes sense, like what's the difference between being a medic and an 11 Bravo, the ideal difference would be that you are the 11 Bravo and you bring the medic like to the table. Like you don't want to be the medic who is just falling along. You don't want to be the fister who's just falling along. Like you want to be another ranger. So, yeah. and that's exactly where you're going to fit in. You're going to be in the stack. You're going to be on the, the long range days where they're shooting, you know, and doing all these things. Like as the medic, you're going to be there. You're going to shoot 50 cal. You're going to shoot 240. You're going to, you know, go to the demo range to learn how to make explosives. You're going to, you know, do everything your guys are doing, mag changes, you know, drills, and try to do as much of that as you can because obviously that's their full-time job. They're going to be yes. better than you. Like, you know, it just wouldn't make sense otherwise. But yeah. as close as you can get to being as proficient as them, that is where you need to fit in. Because again, you know, it, you're not 200 yards back just waiting to get called up. 
Like you're not a civilian tac medic sitting in the armored vehicle waiting for someone to get hit, right. you know, cause that's the civilian side. A lot of times is you just hold back and wait and the, the team goes in and clears. And then if something happens, you know, they might pull back to a, a secure location and you're in your armor and you go in there and stuff. That's not the case. Like you are, you're not going to be probably first one in the stack and they're going to, you know, have the idea of like, Hey, like let's not send doc in first. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause again, like it just doesn't make sense you right. know, when you have infantry guys, but that's not to say like me and my platoon sergeant, you know, he didn't just bump into me and say, Hey, let's go. We're going this way. And so me and him are clearing hallways, clearing rooms. Like, you know, you and him are attached at the hip and, you know, you might fall into a stack somewhere else where yeah. they say, Hey, I need one more guy over here on the entirely possible. You don't have time yeah. to say, well, I'm the medic. I need, I need someone else over here. It's yeah. like, you have a gun, you have everything you need. Someone needs a two man in the door. Okay. Got it. Yep. You and might be like, clearing rooms. Yeah. Right. And, and so like that, there isn't a difference when it comes down to when you're on target, the potential of you, you know, being in that position is there. Yeah. Now, again, the caveat to that is, yes, you are one, you're solely, you're the sole medic, if not one of two, if you have a junior. So they are going to keep that in mind too, just because it would be tactically irresponsible to shove the guy who's the medic in the door first every time. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to prioritize kicking in doors, then you should be infantry. Yeah. If you want to prioritize medicine, be a medic, but the two overlap. Infantry guys are really talented at medicine at Ranger Battalion too. Yes. Medics are really talented tactically at Ranger Battalion. So there's overlap. We so try to do crossover. Is, yeah. Right. And so, you know, both of you guys are trying to augment the other one as much as you can. So that, you know, the life is different. The mission is different. Even on target, there's slight differences. But at the end of the day, you're trying to be good at what the other one is good at. Yeah. And the idea behind that. So even the FOs give the guys call for fire classes because the idea is if I get shot in the face and I'm done for, who's going to take over? Like who's going to talk to those aircraft? Somebody's got to be able to do it. And typically the PLs are pretty well versed in that. So the best way I can describe it is we're attached to the key leaders and I'm basically like, I'd be the PLs right hand man. Um, and you know, that's, he, he's probably going to know what's going on with that pretty well. Um, but yeah, the idea is that other Rangers can pick up and do your job if something happens to you. So we try to do as much crossover as possible. Uh, the 11 Bravos are very tactically proficient. They're doing room clearing all the time. The best way I can describe it to you guys is we have major training events and we participate in that together. Um, the 11 Bravos can pull me to like do, uh, the, the shoot house or something so I can participate participate in those kind of things. If my leadership wants us to go do the shoot house with the infantry guys, we'll go do it. Um, but a lot of the times we kind of break off here and there to go do our own specialized training. Like I'll do a different time of range than they're going to do. So, you know, I'm going to be out there doing the, you know, call for fires, the gun runs. And um, while they're going to be doing like room clearing shoot house, you know, that's kind of like sometimes our day to day looks different, but the major training events, we're all meeting together and we're all doing the major stuff together. And again, that, again, yeah, that just to hit on what you just said of like extracurricular studying, like I had a lot of respect for 
the FOs because that was something that I had no idea. You know, I was so focused on, you know, learning all the infantry stuff and fitting in with the platoon guys and, you know, learning that piece and walking under nods and, you know, all that stuff. And again, how the medics are so specialized, the fisters are specialized as well. And so I had a great respect when, you know, they're talking about the rings of aircrafts and, you know, all this stuff that I have no idea about. And they're so proficient at it. And I, I just think, again, seeing that they were taking the same amount of time as me to go through shoot houses and go to ranges and be proficient at their job, you know, but then on top of it, putting in extra hours to be specialist at what they did the same way that we put in extra hours to, you know, go over medical stuff. And it's like, so to be, to be a specialty in Ranger bat, that's another thing you kind of have to be aware of is like, you're going to be doing the training with the guys that is like something you're going to do. And then you're also going to have to do your specialty. So that is going to be, there was early mornings and late nights when the young guys were getting cut off. Like, the medics, you know, the fisters, like there's people who are still there, Palmo guys, like there's people who are still there specializing in their craft. And so that is something you have to realize is like, it's not all fun and games. Like, I like that you said that because that's something to expect if you guys are uh, not 11 Bravos going to bat. A lot of the times the guys who are uh, the, they call them soft skill or support MOSs, um, we spend a lot of time in planning. A lot of the things that uh, definitely 11 or Bravo wouldn't have to worry about an 11 Bravo team leader wouldn't have to worry about planning. Um, you know, that's, we're basically as a private, we're doing like squad leader level planning and above. So, you know, you have slides to make, you have slides to brief. I, as a corporal, I was giving briefs to Sergeant Major BC, you know, like a little nerve wracking, you know, you got to get used to, I learned public speaking before I took a public speaking class. I was really good at it because I'm getting in front of these people who are very scary people and they don't want to listen to you talk when they're looking at you. They're like, if you say something stupid, I'm going to grill you and you got to give briefs to those people. You're like, Oh, really hope I know everything that I'm talking about. And uh, you know, you give briefs to those kind of people. You're building those slides. You, there's a lot more happening behind the scenes than, you know, if you're 11 Bravo private, you probably, uh, getting smoked more on a day to day and uh, but then you're getting cut loose you know um, a lot of the times and when you're planning they're sitting back there talking about you know uh, what girl they hooked up with this weekend or whatever whatever they talk about you know um, meanwhile we're in there like running back and forth I'm making calls to pilots medics are building Pulling up reception off. shots from the STD they got from the girl that they <laughs> <laughs> or that you could, hear, you could hear conversations happening through the cages and just be like all right i guess i'll go get it <laughs> yeah animals you're like animals yeah. i'll take care of it uh yeah it's the dynamics a little different um and uh but everybody puts in the same level of work it's just different the scope is different so um you know there's trade-offs to everything you do in ranger bat but nobody has it easy yeah, that's true. Um, let's see. I don't know if you had another question because I know there was a couple things. That's a that's a big one. Um, so 
I think college classes that would help and, and you can double down on this, but just from listening to you talk, uh, a question I got is what college classes would help with SOCOM? Would you say like the anatomies, physiologies, the biologies, chemistries? Yeah. So, um, again, like I, I'm trying to be realistic and I would say, I, so I wrote down three, I think if you could get into an intro anatomy and physiology, intro chemistry and an intro biology those are usually all like first year classes and um usually the intro to bio intro to chem you can take those without prereqs and then some places anatomy and physiology you'll you'll need to have chem or biology before um but i would say those are definitely like foundational like needs um the math again medical math isn't that hard um and and doing math on targets not a great idea so usually pre-do all that stuff anyway so i would just say like for socum a and p chem and biology because those are things that take a little bit more time to sink in and so if you have some kind of foundational knowledge of like what a cell is what are organelles you know then you don't have to spend so much time like you know learning about well why why does ph balance matter for a traumatic patient, you know, going into hypovolemic shock. Like you say that to someone and it's like, what are you talking about? And it's like, if you have an understanding of the basic, you know, chemistry and then how that chemistry affects the biology, things start to make sense. And again, that's one of the things that differentiates regular 68 whiskeys and Sockham qualified 68 whiskey, whiskey ones is it's not just I see blood, I plug hole. It's I see blood, I plug hole. And now I need to get blood back into him. But now I need to make sure that his, you know, acid base and his temperature is taken care of because if he goes into the lethal triad, then, you know, he's going to have a higher chance of, you know, higher mortality rate. And so I need to think about if I'm doing so many blood transfusions, I need to do calcium injections and, you know, I need to, you know, have a trending set of vital signs and I need all these things. And it's like, that basic medic's not going to think about those things right off the bat. And like, that is the difference of like, that's the kind of in-depth thinking you have to have on target when shit's hitting the fan, when people are screaming and people are going down, those are, that's what makes you special is because you are so well versed. You've thought about this so much that when everything else is going wrong, you can think about those things and say, I'm going to make this better. I know how to fix this. Yeah. Or at least the, you know, the best attempt you can. Um, you, you actually covered another question. I'm, I'm glad you went into that. Um, I think part of it, and you can dive on this too, is uh, the repetition. You've done it so many times. Some of that's repetition because sometimes in the high stress scenarios, I like to say you don't do what you know, you do what you do. And so that's why training is so important. The repetition is so important because sometimes the detailed thought process isn't there whenever you're stressed out, there's tunnel vision. Sometimes some of that is, you know, things that you're programmed to do. You're programmed to, if you see this, you're going to do this thing. And it's kind of like a, uh, like a, it's, there's not like a forefront thought. It's in, it's in your head. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, that goes back to, preparation and knowing where your gear's at. I mean, we would, we would sit there and do drills. Like the senior medic would make you close your eyes and you'd put your kit and your, your war belt on and, you know, or your March belt and 
you would sit there, close your eyes and be like, okay, where's your tourniquets at? And you just tourniquet, 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 tourniquet. Yeah. And okay. Like where are your NCDs at? Okay. They're over here. Where are your chest seals at? They're right here. And it's like, you know, you would just drill and you might throw a tourniquet at somebody and say, Hey, you're shot in the leg. And so that person's thinking about walking to lunch and like, mm, wonder if they have mac and cheese today. And then, well, tourniquet, like, and it's just, you know, you're always just trying to, to just beat it into people's heads of this is what you do in this scenario. Because like, like you said, yeah, your high, higher faculties leave you when, you know, your adrenaline's pumping. But again, that's why repetition and being comfortable in those situations and getting practice and training and, you know, making realistic situations during training is so important because yes, you have to be able to react initially, but you also have to be able to find and be the calm in the storm. So like, if you know what you're doing, it's a lot easier to stay calm and think about those harder level things. If you're freaking out, like, yeah, those things aren't working. The same way if you're freaking out trying to open a package or change a magazine or do anything, like you, you can't do it because your fine motor skills leave, your, your brain leaves, like you're just, just functioning, you know, as a, as a li your lizard brain turns on. Yeah. Um, and so that again is something that you have to develop is that comfortable being the calm in the storm and like you're that calm in the storm when things go wrong medically the same way like some of those senior ncos you know tactically things are going wrong they're the ones who step up and see the big picture you know everyone wants to get behind a rock get behind cover do this do this or do that but they're the ones who are going to think like okay hey all right i'm safe now because i heard bullets and i jumped and you know got behind cover but who needs to move where, what do we need to do to fix this problem? Yeah. You know, how are we going to engage the enemy? Like that brand new, you know, 19 year old privates probably not thinking on, well, you know, we went over battle drills that one time in the cage. And I think <laughs> right now would be the best way if we just, you know, and it's like, that's why experience and, you know, and thinking about it before it happens is so important. And yeah. that's why it's, it has to be your lifestyle. It has to be like, so it's a different job. And that's why I talk about extracurricular studying, drilling, 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 drilling is very important. Um, so yeah, I think, I think those are perfect tips uh, that definitely covered, um, you know, the mental tips, uh, you know, uh, somebody asked about emotional tips to stay strong in a stressful situation. I, you can dive in on your take on this, but I don't think when you're in situations like that, I don't think there's any emotion. You're just kind of, uh, from my experience, it's all knee-jerk reactions. Um, things happen, so you just react to it. It's almost like you're out of body, and uh, you process things later. I don't think there's yeah. a lot of emotion in, in the moment. I would say, yeah, that's that's the best way to describe it. And, like, people react, like – people react in one of two ways. I've seen this in the military. I've seen this, you know, working on an ambulance and showing up to, you know, shootings and car wrecks and, you know, all this stuff, people either freeze or, or, or act. Yeah. And so like, you'll figure out who you are in that aspect too. Like when something goes wrong, do you freeze or do you act there? There's generally like two people. And so and, and not to say that you can't change it, you know, because there's probably people who act to freeze, but I'm just saying in a situation, there's usually two, two things people do. 
And I would say that it's not an emotional thing. It's not like, again, yeah, you're, you're right. It's like a delayed reaction. Those emotions come later. Um, I know someone had asked like, you know, what's it, what's the difference between, you know, saving a life, taking a life, stuff like that. And it's like, that's such a personalized question for people. Again, you know, you really have to think about how much have you thought about all this stuff? Like one of the things that I try to tell people who are getting into medicine is like, a lot of people say it's tough to be around dead bodies or, you know, it's tough to see death and it's way harder if you've ever seen someone dying. If you've ever heard someone screaming or seen someone bleeding out, you know, those last moments, like that is tough for me. Um, it's so much more difficult than like rolling up on a car accident and like pronouncing someone dead or, you know, getting into a car and seeing somebody, you know, they're, they're shot in the head. It's like, okay, they're dead. Yeah. It's, 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 it's happened, but like actively seeing someone dying and trying your hardest to prevent that is so much more difficult, you know, in the moment, but then also afterwards. And then now imagine that's just a blanket statement over what I tell people medically. But again, back to the earlier point of like, every person you treat in Ranger Battalion is gonna be someone you know. So going to a car accident as a paramedic and you know, someone's femur is broken in half, they have a guardrail through their stomach and they're looking at you like, help me. You know, that's tough. Cause you know, they're screaming and, and all they wanna do is make it stop. And all you wanna do is make it stop. That's, that is tough for me. Um, and that's when it's time to act and you see people freeze and it's like, no, don't freeze. You know, we had a van that drove through an outback steakhouse and covered a dude in grease. And so like from his forehead down to his nipples, his skin had just like folded off and he was doing this with his fingertips and his arms, the skin was hanging off of his fingertips and everyone was just standing around. Like when we got there, like they didn't know what to do. And so it's like, you see moments like that and that's tough. You know, a human being in excruciating pain. Now imagine that being your best friend. Like those are the kind of things you have to be able to deal with and prepare for. And like, it's not always gonna be that way. Sometimes you're just gonna have to like, you know, look at your best friend's balls. Like that's another thing you gotta have to do. Like you are the medic, you're the mom, you're the psychiatrist. You're the one who they're gonna like at 4 a.m. when somebody, you know, tries to be a hard ass downtown and gets jumped, you're the first door they're going to knock on, you know, when a dude is cut or he's throwing up and he won't stop throwing up because he's too drunk or, you know, a guy is kayaking or something. He flips his kayak and hits his head or his kid got stung by a bee or, you know, like you are not only the medic, but you're so much more to all of, all of your guys. Like, yeah. and so that's something, you know, it's, it's a hell of a role to be that for your best friends. It's a huge you know, responsibility. Yeah. You have to be comfortable, you know, treating them if they're within moments of, you know, death to, you have to be able to stick a finger in their ass to, you know, do a digital rectal exam. Yeah. And like, you have to get to that point where it's not weird. Like, cause you're going to go sit at lunch with them and like, you know, it, yeah, you're going to have humor. Like I, I still had, I had a staff sergeant who all the time I'd walk into the cage and be like, Hey, 
you know, Doc Flynn's felt my balls like last week and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah, you're right, dude. Like, you know, it's, it's you use humor, you know, to get past that stuff, but it's like, you have to be comfortable doing anything and everything for these guys, like, because they're yours. And like, I still get calls, you know, I've been out for three years. I still get calls from guys. And so like, it's, it's a, it's a big job. It's a big, you know, again, it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. It's, yeah. it's, it's big. Yeah. I heard a statistic. I don't know how true it is. I believe it. I definitely believe it. They talked about how uh, I heard that a career in the military, 20 years. Uh, I would argue even more, but I, I heard 20 years in military service equates to about 80 years of corporate service. And I could really buy that. I mean, cause yeah. you don't, you're, it's almost like you're never off. Um, yeah. You never truly step away. So uh, I got three more questions. Uh, okay. One asked, cause we covered a lot of, you know, <clears throat> the harder stuff. What is the perks to being a ranger medic? Yeah. So I was trying to think like, I think perks is an interesting term. So I was trying to think of, you know, what, what did they mean when they were asking perks? Um, I would say like, again, a lot of the things we've covered of just, you show up and the perks of just being a subject matter expert and like I've done, you know, T triple C classes and T E C C classes with like, you know, I, I just took one with the, the sheriff's department for GEMSA, which is uh, the Georgia EMS association. And like, I was sitting in the class and it's like, they put on a pretty decent class, but it was like, uh, like you guys really don't know that much. Like, it's they're still trying to get the information that they need and it's like you're gonna be so far ahead of anyone and everyone in your specialty like again I've been out since 2017 and so I've I've kept up with you know my TRIC certification and TECC certification and it's like I've been to an air force course I've been to this law enforcement course and it's like you, you just can't even imagine how far ahead you're going to be in some of these ways. So I think perks medically, like you're going to be really good at what you do. And to the point, like it, you'll, you'll feel the ripples of that in so many other things that you don't even know. I was doing stitches with a nurse practitioner the other day and she, I was like, Hey, do you need any help with this? And she was like, no, I'm good. And she sent me out of the room and she was like, you were making me nervous because I know how many times you've done stitches. And she just got her nurse practitioner. And oh, I was like, okay. I'm just, I'm just a medical assistant. You know, I'm a paramedic at this place. Like, you know, I'm applying to PA school right now. And the nurse practitioner is like, yeah, if you could leave, so like not watch me right now. Yeah, it's like, you made her you know, nervous. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, and it, it's not based on my position. It's not based on my title. It's based on my proficiency. Like right. it has nothing to do with how much I'm getting paid or, or the responsibilities they have. It's just how damn good I am in my job. Like they can see it and they know. And like that I think is the greatest perk that you're going to have. You're going to get out and no matter what you do, you're going to be successful. And then that mentality you get is going to continue to make you successful in everything yeah. that you do. Um, so I think that's a perk. Um, you get, you know, uh, your paramedic, um, it wasn't, you didn't get your paramedic and REMT when I went through, which I had a rough time when I went through, uh, 
now they do. So it is part of the Saucon program. So you get your civilian equivalent in the program. So you get your BLS certification, your ACLS certification, um, which is basic life support, advanced cardiac life support. You get your paramedic and REMT. So you could get out and you know work in any 50 states uh, with that NRMT and get your license, um, which you know is a good change of like you know 15, 20 grand depending on you know where you go for that civilian side. So that's a pretty big certification to walk out with. Yeah. Um, you get your um, your ATP certification, which again doesn't have a civilian equivalency right now. Um, but it's kind of a cool badge of honor because it'll lapse if you're not in a special operations unit, but a lot of like FBI and, you know, triple letter agencies and civilian, you know, border patrol and stuff like that, they want a ATP equivalency course. And so they want to be able to say like, oh, well, our medics are ATP certified too. And they basically said no, because you don't have a course that is equivalent to SOCOM to provide that kind of medic. Yeah. Um, so you're basically going to have a badge of honor saying like, you know, I'm ATP certified. I'm a SOCOM qualified medic and you can't get that anywhere else besides being in a special operations unit. So, I mean, that's a perk because you can go into anywhere and say, what's up? So, yeah. I mean, that's cool. Um, I'm just trying to think of other perks. Uh, yeah, those are, those are kind of the basic certifications as far as um, when you get to first bat, I just talked to one of the senior medics over there last night, actually, uh, just kind of to, to re up on the knowledge, like I said, since I've been out for a little bit and they said, guys are getting there. And before they get pushed out to the line, they are going one, they're getting three, five, which is another change. So when I got there, I actually got out at E4. So every other unit who graduated SOCOM besides us automatically got promoted to E5. So we had to sit there at graduation and the five of us who graduated just sat there at E4s and we had been in the army two years and two months. We had to wait until two years to do our automatic promotion. They didn't even let us do our early promotion. Yeah. So like, it wasn't, hey, you know, you have a six month waiver, you could get it at 18 months. They said, you haven't earned it yet. Yeah, because so they're big on the, on the ranger tab. After right. all that training, they want you to go get your ranger tab. Yeah, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, I actually told somebody that they were, uh, no, it was my wife. I was telling her uh, that they, I remember whenever they were trying to push, they weren't going to let E3s promote to E4s, like not even that automatic two-year promotion because they're like, they don't have their tab. It can't be E4s. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a cultural thing. Um, right. Luckily, they didn't do that. I thought that was r ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I mean, and again, it it is, but it's, it's part of the part of the culture. It is. You know, it's kind of one of the, the hoops you got to jump through. Uh, I never got my Ranger tab. So I, uh, you know, one of those things that, you know, I, I kind of always wish I had got, had got, but at the same time, it never stopped me from being a good medic and it never stopped me from, you know, fitting in. So again, um, go get it if, if you get there. Yeah. But, you know, it, it just wasn't, wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what was I saying before that? 
oh, so now though, when you get to first bat, and I'm sure it's probably similar to the other ones, um, you automatically get E5 once you graduate Sockham and you're going to Ranger School before you get pushed out. So you might do some training events with HQ and get pushed out to some companies, but you won't get assigned to anybody yet. Where like when I showed up, I was leaving for Virginia my second day. So it's like I showed up, got assigned to a platoon. We basically had four of us show up and we did like a little competition. And then the senior medics basically like, it was like dodgeball, like, you know, all right, you guys do your competition, do a trauma lane, do PT, do this. And then they all just sat there and they're like, well, I want you and I want you. And so I went to ACO and um, I got picked up by them my second day or my first day. And then second day we were already gone. So yeah quick um, but now they're they're trying to get guys so you get your e5 you get your ranger tab so you're showing up as the the line medic you know you're set up you don't have to focus on anything else you don't have to focus on passing a pt test and going to cert and then going to ranger school it's like you're already through Sockham, got your tab the only thing you have to focus on is being a great line medic um so i think that's a good one you know they're getting paid right and there's not the confusion of you know where does doc fit in? Cause again, I was, you know, I showed up as a untabbed specialist and then I got promoted to corporal uh, without a tab. And again, my life never changed when I was there and I got treated no worse than the tab D fives above me. Right. Because again, like I was proficient at being a medic, um, which is why I was there. So again, it's, it's more of a formality for some of the specialties. If you're really good at your specialty, um, but still part of the part of the journey. If you're going to stick around there, you got to go get it. So part of the culture and all it is, is it's a leadership school. That's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, it's a leadership school. You get a badge and then that's, that's it. So it's a little controversial yeah. when go, guys go get their tab and they're like, I'm a ranger now. It's going to uh, us in the special operations unit. We're like, yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> mm. Yeah. <sighs> So uh, that Ranger means qualified. That, yeah, Ranger qualified is exactly right. Um, but uh, it's a good, I mean, it's a tough school. And all that. Now, do you, two more things. Uh, do you have any advice to medic imports coming to Ranger Bat? Yeah, so um, I, that was actually a really interesting one. We actually had a medic import show up when I was getting out. And so he was there. Mm, maybe a little over six months before, like when I was transitioning to get out. So like part of that I was deployed uh, because I basically deployed and then left. I, I did my out processing stuff and left. Um, so I didn't know him that well, but I know him now he's still there um, and highly successful. So I think imports are kind of a tough subject. Cause like even with the infantry guys, like we didn't have a lot of import medics, so I can't really say. So I'm going to base it most off of the import infantry guys. Like there's always that little bit of a stigma, I guess is the best word. I wanted to say like, it's not a bad taste necessarily, but there's always just a stigma of like the guys who were raised there together. Like they all showed up, you know, they're all, they've lived the ranger lifestyle been on all the deployments they've been they're all together for everything yeah. so like they don't know anything else so i think there's that stigma when someone gets there okay well i did four years somewhere else and um 
now I'm here. And it's like, people are kind of hesitant of like, mm, like, are, what can we expect from you? Cause I guarantee the standards that you were held to weren't the standards here. Um, and guys do really well. And so, you know, there's some guys who are turds and some guys who are awesome. And so I think it depends on you as an individual. And I take that back. I take that back. Actually, um, what I was saying about the medics, there was two medics ahead of me who were imports. Um, one of them, they actually both became senior medics. Um, one got out and one just did like a nursing option, but both highly successful. Um, one was in big red one and one came from a unit in Germany. So yeah, actually I knew three medics in first bat who were imports and they all did fine. So yeah, not to worry about it. Um, again, I don't think it matters if you're starting there or if you're transitioning there, as long as you rise to the occasion. That's um, perfect. Yeah. That's what I say As a, it doesn't matter as long as you show up and you're proficient there people aren't really going to care. They may make just some jokes here and there, but yeah, I would say just don't do the like, Oh, well, you know, in 10th, in 10th mountain, this is how we did it. That's, that's the only way imports ever got themselves in trouble yeah. is if they didn't like acclimate to the Ranger lifestyle and they always played the like, well, I was in, you know, I was in the 82nd and we did it this way. It's like, mm, that's not going to fly. So it's yeah. like, if you're ready to like shed where you came from and embrace the Ranger way, like, it doesn't yeah yeah it can't do the same same but different thing like it, <laughs> it doesn't make you special if you're going well right. i was somewhere else before this and you guys don't know about it nobody ever likes that nobody just as a human nature thing we don't like people who boast um who are boastful and um you know you're you're coming to be a part of our team be a part of our team and then know what you're doing and you'll be fine ranger bat is like you know i i they are the proudest organization I think I've ever of like, you know, they, they will, it's like, do as I say, not as I do, because they'll say like, don't you bring up your old unit, but I guarantee they'll tell anyone to their face, like Rangers are better than you. Yeah. Rangers are the best. <laughs> when so they like, go elsewhere. Right. They're constantly so yeah. So they'll go somewhere else and they'll brag about, Oh, and Ranger bat, we did it this way. And that you can't convince them otherwise. So. It's a cult. Yeah. <laughs> um so final question here all right what's here's controversy uh what do you think is better do you think ranger medics or sf medics are better um so obviously you know i'm, I'm just going to throw out that this is a biased opinion um because i was in ranger battalion so i feel like i have the bias i'll always say that ranger medics are the best but to elaborate on that, I joined the military with the idea that I was going to be an SF medic. So I have no qualms with SF medic um, because that's originally why I wanted to join. Um, now, having been a part of the community and seeing the differences, I will say I still think Ranger medics are the better medics. And the reason I say that is because, again, our sole task is being good rangers and being good medics. Like it, it's, it's so simple like, and stupid that they literally put it in the name. What are you? I'm a ranger medic. I'm a ranger and I'm a medic. That's it. That's all you do. And so SF medics, like special forces, you know, they have such a different task than ranger regiment as a whole. So, you know, people always say that like, um, I'm kind of thinking I'm going to go ranger regiment or SF. And it's like, 
it's kind of like saying, I think I'm going to be a music major, but I'm also thinking physics. It's like, right. it, it, they're not the same. And so you really need to figure out what mission set you want to be a part of. Perfect. And then go from there. Because again, like SF can be indirect action. That's not going to be their sole task. Like you're going to have to learn another language. You're going to have to, you know, be a force multiplier where if you go in with a team of 12 people, and you can make a village of a hundred people, you know, win their hearts and minds and, you know, set up some kind of, you know, trade deal or economy or, you know, that is what their specialty is, is, you know, infiltrating and expanding yeah. based so the, on not direct action. Their training is way different for that reason because they are geographical. There's a reason uh, why SF is bigger because they have to delegate to these different geographical areas, learn the language, and that is their specialty. So they train according to these areas. And, you know, that's a terrifying mission to me to go overseas and embed with people and, you know, these indigenous people or foreign people and be like, all right, we're with you. And hopefully you're on our side and then going to right. sleep next to what could be the enemy. Um, it's, it's different than from what we do. What we do is very similar to the SEALs mission. Uh, we are looking for high value targets. We are raiding and we are killer capture. And, uh, you know, there's trade-offs to both, you know, um, but we have a very clear mission or not. I mean, you can learn some languages, but it's not required. We're like, sometimes we don't care what you speak, you know, it's yeah. either you're our enemy or you're not. And um, so the dynamics very different. And I will say for that reason, uh, because of the culture of speaking of like the difference between Ranger and SEAL, you know, a lot of people just look at the selection and they go, well, I think this one's harder than this one. Therefore this is going to be better. Well, you got to look at the culture when you get there too. I will say Ranger is very consistent with their training. It is very, very um, intensive, fast paced. And what, like I said, the selection doesn't end with the selection. It just keeps going. And the culture is very different than these other special operations unit where there's kind of like, in, I, you know, I, I, do, I don't know a hundred percent, but just from what I've seen, who I've worked with and talked to, it kind of seems like when you make it, you're a little bit more secure and where you are than Ranger Regiment, where it's more of a competitive environment, like you're never truly safe where you're at. You're always performing. You're always, uh, there's always pressure to get better. And in other places, I think that's, that's always going to be there in special operations, but it's not as emphasized as it is in Ranger Battalion. And I think for that reason, we have consistent training. We are typically, we're more proficient uh, than some other groups out there but that's a little controversial yeah. and i might I be say, biased yeah i would say the mentality yeah based on a whole because I, I i've i've been told this too of like i'm not the typical ranger personality like i had a yeah. lot of guys tell me like you know you're right yeah i want to yeah i would agree with that like you know a lot of guys are just super type a like you know they have to be the strongest they have to be the fastest they have to you know everything they have to be the best at and like they want you to know that they're better than you at it and like they want you to know that it's a problem that you're not better than them and like the next guy in line is like yeah but I'm going to be better than you because like I'm going to work twice as hard as you and like you might be better now but just wait yeah. like that's the mentality and the third guy's like yeah well I'm going to be better than both of you put together like and so you have this mentality of like everyone's always trying to push each other and there's a competitiveness to it all the time. Like there yeah. is no like, you know, he's a nice guy. Like, you know, he's kind of a shit bag, but you know, we'll, we'll let it slide. 
no. there isn't that it's like dude you got to get like whatever is like happening right now together like this is not okay no way you're alive yeah you're about to be out on your ass like um i would say that that is very different um and you know going through medic refresher i saw the difference of you know you would think a master sergeant sf medic would be super proficient but you don't think that oh well what else does a master sergeant sf medic have to do well now he's a team lead you know he isn't just the medic he has to do all this other stuff he you know he's got to stay proficient at his language he's got to do you know whatever else they're doing and again ranger medic that's all you're doing that's like and so you go to these places and people are like damn dude like how are you so good and it's like because that's all you do the same way like you know I have a lot of respect for 160th medics because that's, that's what they do. Aircraft and medicine. And like, they're very, very good medics because of that. Um, so I, again, I would say that I'm always going to be biased and say ranger medics are good based on those reasons, because that's just, you're always emphasizing it, always practicing it, always implementing it, always training your guys. Like that is your sole task as far as like you know if you want a breadth of knowledge and a super you know generalized idea of like you know probably not every ranger medic's going to know about you know some weird endemic disease process and how to treat it you know hey things that i've learned outside of hey what does albendazole do you know it's an antiparasitic you know how do you treat giardia what's the first line antibiotic like those are things that you can learn on the job and, you know, things you can look up and things that ranger medics can do, but that's not their sole priority where some of those SF medics are probably a little bit more into, you know, wilderness medicine and, you know, kind of the, the tropical stuff, depending on where they're going as well too. So I would say that, you know, they have maybe a different specialty in medicine, the same way that SF has a different specialty than ranger bat. Um, so again, I've met really great SF medics. I've met some that are kind of so-so. Um, and again, that's with the standard of so-so means they're so-so SF medics, but still exceptional human beings, you know, incredibly fit, incredibly smart, incredibly talented. They just didn't shine quite as bright as some of the people around them, which again is pretty damn bright to begin with. Um, so I would say again, I, I, Rangers and SF are a different beast, um, but Rangers lead the way, so they're better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but y'all knew we were going to say that. That's right. Um, so that being said, any, any final thoughts for these guys? Any final tips or words of advice? Um, final thoughts, I guess, again, kind of one of the questions of just like the mentality. And, you know, I think one of the most important things I've ever said to anybody who's ever asked me like, how did you do it? Or why did you do it? Or how'd you get through it? Whether it's, you know, infantry, whether it's being a medic, SF, SEAL, Rangers, you have to, the most important thing, I think to be successful and exceptional in a special operations unit is accepting and increasing your ability to not say no. And what I mean by that is just like to always accept a challenge and drive through it. And like that starts like, I, I remember in airborne school, 
just thinking like no one like is super comfortable taking that first step out of the plane. But there's some people who won't take a step out of the tower. So you have a 34 foot tower and they're just like, no, nope, nope. And I saw that and I was like, I'm never going to be that person. Yeah. I never want people to look at me and say that, that guy said, just nope, not doing <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And if you have that mentality that if somebody puts a, a mission in front of you and says, this is what you got to do, you got to take a step out of the 34 foot tower and you're going to slide down this rope. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Hey, the door is going to open. The jump master is going to check the door. You're first in line. You're looking at the trees. You're going to take a, a step and a kick and you're going to be flying out of this airplane in yeah. a couple seconds. Yep. Yes. Yeah. You just, Hey, do. you're going on target right now. There's people that are going to try to kill you. Yes. Yeah. Hey, your buddy's hurt. Can you do something? Yes. Like that mentality is the most important thing that never quit, that never say no, that never stop, no matter what. That is such an important quality that you have to accept and you have to constantly have or else you just won't be successful. Yeah. I, that's spot on. You know, what I tell the advice I've been giving out is, <clears throat> you know, people ask what my view on it was like, how did you stay strong? How did you not quit? I just never viewed it as a viable option. I was just like, this is what I have to do. And there was never, you know, um, I never thought, oh, I can quit this. It just wasn't, never crossed my mind of, I can quit right now. It was just like, well, here I am. What yeah. do I have to do today? Right. And, uh, you know, I continue to do that in my, uh, in my current life. You know, if there's something I want to achieve, I just sign up for it and go, all right, I have to do this now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason it's a little different out here because you have to create your own dynamic. But if there's something I say I'm going to do, I go do it. And, uh, I think that's kind of the big gift you take away when you experience those things is um, that mentality, that confidence that you have. And um, man, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. Hey, this is all the talk. Yeah, it was good. I'm yeah. super excited for this. And uh, I think you're going to help so many people. I can't tell you how many people have reached out curious about the medic route. And Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah, it was I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll just throw it out. Like if you ever have any questions or if anybody who's, you know, watching your videos or following your channel, you know, if they reach out to you or if you want to push information out to people for questions. Um, I still have contacts of guys that are, you know, going through Sockham, guys that are teaching over at Sockham, you know, guys that are in Ranger Battalion. So if anyone ever has medical questions, um, you know, you can shoot them my contact information and, you know, get the information out. Okay. I will do that. And uh, yeah, super pumped. This is cool. And uh, All right. I'm going to do my that outro. Yeah. I'm going to do my outro. Last time Brent was trying to talk to me as I was doing my outro. So uh, I always finish with this. If you've been listening this long, you're awesome. Hope you have a great day. Take care.